Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend of mine asked if I would record myself reading one of my novels as something they would find comforting and familiar in the midst of the uncertainty and anxiety of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be reading to you from Perishables, the first book in my five-book urban fantasy and vampire series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka FalstaffBooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash Perishables link. That goes to Amazon. Thanks. Okay, let's dive right into episode 18 of Social Distancing Radio. This is the next part of part three of Perishables, The Doorbusters. We get to the right spot in my Kindle. Let me have a healthy sip of reading wine. Oh yeah, well that's the stuff. The only people who were still up and running from the growing number of walkers in the front half of the store were the younger or fitter members of those of us who'd, lined, who'd been lined up outside to begin with. It looked like everyone who hadn't been fast on their feet had been caught and bitten, and I watched as one went through a very brief seizure of some sort and then stood up to join the rest of the mob. It was terrifying, to be honest, to watch someone be turned like that into something so mindless, dull even. I think that's what bothered me about walkers when I saw them in my neighborhood, too. They are vampires who see their transformation as an act of archival more than anything else. The preservation of themselves as an instance of direct experience and intellect, encased in an everlasting vehicle that was once the body of their mortal self. I don't quite view it that way myself. I've never been totally comfortable with metaphysics based on there being a soul distinct from the body, but I've never been a total nihilist either. I value this life because I get to keep watching the world and depicting it in art and memorializing everything that ceased to exist and experience on the new when it arrives. But I'm not sure it's more complicated than that for me, or for most of us. At some point in most vampires' existences, we work to turn off the part of us that might once have contemplated a life after this one. Continuing to care what happens in the great hereafter seems like hedging our bet when the permanence of this life is presumably why we signed up in the first place. Anyway, we place a premium on individuality and the preservation of whatever it is that makes a person them. To see that erased in a few seconds was the most terrible thing I'd seen in many years, and I see terrible things every time I go out to dinner. Jennifer's announcement over the intercom had flushed out a few other survivors of the initial outburst from just a couple of minutes before, and they were burning rubber towards the back of the store. As we passed one another, uh, as we passed one Oh, okay, yeah, duh. Wow, God, reading my own words. Um, as we passed one another, one of them tried to shout some warning or distraction, but I merely yelled at them to keep running, and none of them were such devoted humanitarians that they were willing to stop their flight to convince me. I was glad to have them firmly focused on their own survival instead of mine, because I didn't want any of them to see what would happen as soon as I got within five feet of one of the zombies, and it tried to get away from me. The zombies were advancing in their slow shamble, moaning and groaning, sometimes separately, but far too often for my liking it seemed they were trying to articulate something and doing so in unison. Smiles was growling like a motorcycle engine being revved in place, and I opened my mouth to let out a howl of anger, some 
animal cry to say that there was a barrier between their turf and mine that they had trespassed, and then I skidded to a stop about ten feet from them. They walked closer one step, then another, then a third, and then the one in front was within three feet and put a hand on my forearm as though to hold me still. His, its, mouth opened, and it and all the others around it said, I swear to the gods, brains. In that moment, I realized three things. First, these things were not at all frightening me. They lacked entirely whatever instinct the walkers from Z-Day had possessed that made them try to avoid me at all costs. They were biting instead of wandering aimlessly around. They were fresh. They'd spoken. I'd have sworn it on a stack of Bibles. They were hunting as a group. No, as a pack. They were not consuming their victims. They were converting them. They were not whatever it was that I had fought and killed in so many silent suburban houses years ago while my neighborhood association's executive board tried to decide whether they were more afraid of zombies or of me. These were new, whatever they were, and they were just as happy to try to bite me as anyone else. Second, I was going to kill every last one of them before I would let them turn me into just another entry on the value menu. Third, that kid with the fancy phone camera thing was standing 20 feet away filming us when I gave the zombies a fang-ringed hiss. Smiles bit down on the guy's arm to get his hand off of me, and I punched the guy in the gut so hard he was knocked free of gravity, and both of us flew 20 feet through the air and slammed into a couple of other zombies coming up behind him. I turned around to face the kid, still snarling, but he barely flinched. I wondered if a part of him had guided him to watch everything through his phone as a reflexive way of trying to distance himself from events happening at arm's length. Like if he watched it on his phone, then it must not be real, even though he was the one filming it. Oh well, another one for the philosophers. The active fear on the guy's young face turned into paralyzed terror as I crossed the gap between us in less time than a mortal man could have turned around, fangs still out, no longer giving a damn about any cameras at all. I could figure something out about cameras later. Right now, I needed to survive. I ripped the phone from his hand and crushed it in one fist. Glass and plastic and little bits of ridiculously tiny keyboard fountained from my hand like confetti. I was so angry at this poor person, this mortal child, this human larva, for having decided now was the time to become a YouTube hero. I don't even know why, but I suspect a little of it was feeling like it was an act of offensive ingratitude to get an invitation to safety over the goddamn intercom and instead decide to start filming. I don't know why I did what I did, but as soon as the last of the camera skittered across the floor, I grabbed him by the front of the shirt, spun on my heels, and threw him like a shot putt so that he landed 50 feet away in the middle of a half dozen walkers who somehow managed to stay upright when he collapsed in their midst. I realized the brashness and absurdity of what I'd just done the moment I did it, but it was too late by then. They reached down for Camera Kid, lifted him by his shoulders, and two of them bit down at once. I couldn't look away any more than any of us can look away from a wreck on the side of the road. Blood shot out from between them as they descended on him, and the kid screamed to high heaven until one of them clamped a hand over his mouth. He strained against it, eyes bulging, feet kicking in the air until he fell still and went limp in their arms, then convulsed. His eyes fluttered back, and in seconds he was standing under his own power as one of them. And, I realized, they had changed. They had stopped walking and stood in place. 
I could feel something, some essential energy in the air, maybe the psychic white noise of constant hunger and human desire to which a vampire is at first hypersensitive and then eventually necessarily deaf, that thrummed for a moment, then skipped and resumed at a different pitch but with similar purpose, the sound of an engine changing when the transmission shifts gears. Much as I had heard the phrase, food chain as an unwelcome, unbidden thought when I was standing in the street in front of the Reinholds place that night, a thought occurred to me now. Critical mass. All their eyes fluttered back down so that their irises were visible again, and they blinked. Only a vampire would have noticed, or even could have noticed at all, I'm sure. But when they blinked, it was as one. They took a step forward, including camera kid, and they all looked at me. I could see the musculature of their bodies ripple under their clothes. All of them, young and old, thin and fat, athletes and couch potatoes, as 35 of them shifted stance and got ready to run, and the only person around was me. They all said in a whispered chorus to carry just fine by my ears, What are you? Smiles started barking his head off, and I screamed to high heaven, and the two of us took off running for the back of the store. Fuck the cameras, and fuck these guys, and fuck everybody and everything. I had to get out of here, and so did everyone else who wasn't one of them, and everyone who was one of them would simply have to die. I feel like that's a good place to end this installment. So, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. The theme music is Plucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution license at ccmixter.org.